All right, let us begin. So we are in Merit Hashem going to begin today with the Sados. And in fact, interestingly enough, interestingly enough, we're going to see a little bit of a Tu Bishvat carryover from, from the last year into this year. And in Merit Hashem also we're going to see some pieces that we referenced, <coughs> excuse me, last semester as well. So let's begin, number one. Sados Omrim, the fields say, Hashem Bechachma Yasad Aretz, so the fields, the fields say, let's just literally translate the Pasuk. God founded the land with wisdom. He established the heavens with understanding. So what I'd like to really focus on, what's really going to be the thrust of our, of our probably next two classes, is remember, as, as we've spoken about this entire time, being that this is our first class back with Parikshira, so just to remind ourselves a little bit, the entire essence of Parikshira is... Entire essence. I'm sorry? There's more than meets the eye. Excellent. There's more to life. There's more to ourselves. There's more to the world than we understand. And remember, the whole idea is that we are to learn from nature. That is the whole essence of Parikshira. That there are lessons to be learned in the natural world. Again, as I, I think as I referenced in one of our earliest classes, the Rambam brings down this, already codifies this concept, independent of Parikshira, that if you want to come to an appreciation and a love of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so you need to look at the natural world. Look at the natural world and you'll see the awesomeness of the Ribbon Shalom. So Parikshira spells out these lessons. Every part of nature conveying a lesson. Who is the lesson for? Us, right? Obviously, the lesson is not. And of course, Parakshira is not literal. It's not literal. Whether the, the fields talk, don't talk, Bipashtas, they don't talk. But again, this is the message which can be gleaned ultimately, again, from the natural world. Everything good? Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. So the Sados, their message is Hashem Bichachma Yasad Aretz. Hashem created the world with Islam. Yes. Sure. So it's interesting that some say that the Indian for Parakshira is Dafka Erev Shabbos. Erev Shabbos. I'm sorry, along with Shiashirim, so you really need to be ready by Chatzos. You know, that's, uh, yeah, I, 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 I've seen it, the, the, two, the two approaches I've seen is that there's an Indian to say Perak Shira every day, every day, and Erev Shabbos. But again, I, I, but, I, but I can't tell you why that is. In other words, I, I, don't, I don't particularly understand, remember, the whole notion of saying Perak Shira in general is a more esoteric idea. So what the nature of those two times are, I don't know. I, I would venture to say to me, if a person is going to say parakshira, I think the more meaningful way to do it is maybe to do a smaller part every day while actually trying to internalize the lessons. I mean, part of what we're trying to do in Miratz Hashem is to figure out what is the message of parakshira. Because the truth is, you read through it, you know, parakshira is much like Tehillim. You could read through the entire Sefer Tehillim and have absolutely no idea what you read. Now, does that minimize the impact of it? Not necessarily, 
Meaning the power of Tehillim, we know, is that it's Tefillah. Tefillah could be powerful even if you don't know what it is that you're saying. But it's so much better if you know what you're saying. So again, I think if a person is mamish taking to, wanting to say Parakshira, person, if it was me, I would say a little bit every day with a focus of trying to understand the particular message that each part of nature is trying to convey. But again, to answer your question, I've seen it Erev Shabbos every day. Alright, so now the question I'd like to focus on is, what is this wisdom of the fields, right? The Sado say, Hashem created the world with wisdom. Yes? No, we didn't get to that yet. We're going to get to that more when we study the second parak of Parak Shira, which hopefully will be in a couple of weeks. So the Sado say, Hashem created the world, or created the, the Aretz, created the earth, with wisdom. So let's analyze. We're going to spend probably today and Monday, Mir Hashem, analyzing what is the wisdom of the earth. Remember, I also want to point out that we're going to see in Parakshira, there appear to be like a number of things that may look redundant and a little bit, and a little bit um, repetitive. Like for example, we're going to make a distinction between the rivers and the wellsprings. We make a difference between the arets and the sados. Because remember again, from Parakshira's perspective, each of these represent, the arets represents earth. The sados represents the field. Well, you can make the cogent argument that obviously the fields are part of the earth. But you see Parakshira tries to be very specific in its journey through nature. And that's because, again, Parakshira operates with the idea that every part of nature, every subset of nature, has its own unique message. Yet, you see over here that when the Sados are speaking, their message is Hashem Bichachma Yasad Aretz, which is interesting. Hashem created the Aretz with wisdom. The fields are part of the Aretz, and therefore the fields speak of the wisdom of Hashem's creation. Wherein lies the wisdom of Hashem's creation of the earth. So let's analyze this a little bit. If we take a look at Rashi, Rashi, now remember again, we're quoting over a passage from Mishle. So Rashi says, <coughs> So first of all, what is the wisdom we are referring to over here? The wisdom we're referring to is the eternal wisdom, Torah. Torah, Torah, so Rashi understands Hashem Bichachma Yasar Aretz really means two things. It means Hashem created the world with wisdom and for wisdom. With wisdom and for wisdom. With, with, with which wisdom did Hashem create the world? Torah. This goes back to the Mamar Chazal that says, Histakil Baraisa Ubara Alma. That like the architect, the architect doesn't build from memory. The architect opens up his plans and he builds from his plans. So to the Ribono Shalom looked inside the Torah Akidosha and went ahead and built the world from Torah. Built the world from Torah. So therefore, says Rashi, now this wording is very interesting. Alpia Torah, right? So Hashem built the world based on the blueprint of Torah, and ultimately again, and the world was also created for Torah. What does it mean the world was created for Torah? I'm sorry? Okay, but what, what, what does that mean? Right? 
So it could mean the world can't exist, that's right. But does that sound like what it's saying? It's saying, right, say, then say the world, we, we know, we have other statements that say the world can't exist without Torah. There are certain things with which to out. But what does it mean the world was created for Torah? I'm sorry? So we should keep it. Now let me ask you, based on that, should the world exist? Right? It doesn't seem like we've satisfied that metric. Right? The world is not keeping Torah. Most of Kalal Yisrael is not keeping Torah. That's just, that's just the reality of the times in which we live in. So what does it mean? Now, it could mean in, in, in a utopian state... Just because the world is not meant to solve potential doesn't mean anything is dead. Say that once more. Just because the world is not meant to solve potential doesn't mean anything is dead. But if... The How many times throughout history has the entire, or has the majority of the Jewish people kept the Torah? Good little Jewish history lesson here. No, no, I, I understand. I'm asking you just the definition of the statement. If you say that Torah, the world was created for Torah, was created for Torah, so then what does that mean? If it's to keep Torah, then why would a Kodesh Baruch create the world for a purpose that's never going to be fulfilled? Okay, so is that what it means? The world was created even for one person to keep Torah. Okay, good. 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 Again, understand, I'm just getting you to try to think about what the statement means because why would a Kaddish Baruch create for a reason that is never going to materialize? Is it ever going to be that all Kaddish keeps the Torah? I'm sorry? So good. So that, that's a beautiful explanation. That could be that maybe what it means is Chalish Baruch Hu created a platform ultimately again for Torah to be observed. Whoever wants to take advantage of this gift should take advantage of the gift. Halavai should be many people. But even if it's not many people, quote unquote, that's okay as well. You understand? You know, in quotations, Chalish Baruch Hu says, that's why I created it. I created it. It's here for the taking. If you want it, if you want it, then it's all yours. What else could it mean? I'm sorry? Why would we get punished for not keeping it? It was a platform that was optional. Because, because, well, it's not really optional. In other words, remember, it's, it's, a, it's obligatory. We're talking a little bit about two sides of our mouth here, meaning it's obligatory, but at the same time, the, the existence of the world is not predicated on all of us doing the right thing, which is part of the chesed of the Baruch So Shalom says, of course, you have to do this, but if you don't do it, the world will continue to exist. But what's the purpose of creation? For you to be able to do it. Any other thoughts? What else can I mean? The world was created for Torah. Maybe to learn Torah. Okay, what do you mean? Because no one learns Torah. Oh, that's, I, thought, I didn't know where that voice was coming from. <laughs> Good, okay. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, I can't see who that was on here. Uh, the guy, Go ahead, I hear you. Oh, beautiful. So may, maybe, again, what it's just saying is if you want to know why the world exists, perhaps it's the schus of Talmud Torah. So again, again, once again, it's not really predicated on a lot of people or a few people. It's just predicated on someone. Obviously, the more people that do the right thing, of course, it's always better. But the world runs, the battery of the world, so to speak, is Torah. Good. Any other ideas? This is an incredibly important idea because at the end of the day, we're getting to the very essence of life. Right? So what does it mean the world was created for Torah? So remember again, what I want to point out to you is what's unique about this statement of Rashi. What doesn't Rashi say? Right? Rashi could have said, the base marriage was created for Torah. 
Rashi could say, Eretz Yisrael is created for Torah. But yeah, what does Rashi say? The world. Which tells you, remember, we've spoken about this many times. Torah, we have to be careful never to define Torah in a limited capacity, right? Torah doesn't just mean what we're doing here learning, right? Torah doesn't just mean, you know, this, the Gemara, right? Torah means a way of life of Avodah Hashem, right? What, what is the entire purpose of life? You know, I'll tell you something amazing, just to illustrate this. As we get to the entire purpose. See, you thought you were just showing up for Parakshira. Little did you know you were going to get the entire purpose of life in the first 10 minutes of class. So, so listen to this. We begin Shmona Esrei, right? The, the Bakasha section of Shmona Esrei begins with what? Atachoni la'adam das. Atachoni la'adam das. So why do we begin the Bakasha section of Shmona Esrei with a request for knowledge? So you can't... Is that true? I know a lot of people who are very successful and have very little das. Okay, so, so, so meaning you can make a lot of money without chachma, bina, and das. I'm sorry, you can win? This is 100%. Any, any of you don't win the lottery. There are plenty of people. I'm sorry? Who cares? They won the lottery, right? But my point just is you can get ahead in many areas of life without really a lot of seichel. The world is filled with people like this. But at the end of the day, what I want out of life, what I want out of life, what, what, what do I want? I want to know that I am fulfilling the Ratzon Hashem. HaKadosh Baruch Hu has a will. Right now, that will is sometimes is explicitly articulated. For example, Tariq Mitzvos is an explicit articulation of divine will. But then there's also something more nuanced. And it's what does HaKadosh Baruch Hu want from me? What, what, what does he want from me in this world? What does he want from me in my life? To borrow the words of the Ramchal, what, what, what am I supposed to do? So I say, I need you to give me das. Now listen to this, because I want to know what I'm supposed to do. Now, not only do I want to know what I'm supposed to do, but I'm going to dive into you for a whole bunch of things. Right? I'm going to dive into you also for a lot of Gashmi things. Right? I'm going to dive into you for health, physical health. I'm going to dive into you for Parnasa. Why, why am I davening for these things? I'm davening for these things because I want to utilize the Gashmias I have in this world to fulfill the Ratzon Hashem. We've spoken about this concept as well. That is why Judaism's view on materialism is really parif. It depends what you do with it. Right? If a person amasses wealth and they fulfill the Ratzon Hashem with that wealth, fantastic. A person acquires wealth and they use it to create a divide between themselves and HaKadosh Baruch Hu, it's terrible. So wealth itself, like a lot of other things in this world, is parad. Everything depends on how you use it. So if Shana actually brings down this idea, he says, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, I daven atachonin la'adam das, because I need two things. I need the intellect to know what you want from me. What is the Ratzon Hashem? And then once I know what the Ratzon Hashem is, all the other things I'm davening for, all the Gashmi things, I can use in that direction. It's a two-fold prayer. That's why he's actually talking about why Atachoni Adam Das is the first bracha, the first bakasha. See, he says, because I need to know, what, right, we daven for a fool. What are you davening for a fool for? For, for what? What, what, what? What do you want to do? You davening for Parnasa. So what am I davening for Parnasa for? Well, what do I, I'm asked for brachas, have, have. The Gemara is like, people say, like, give, give. Give for what? 
What, 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 do you, what, do you, what, what am I using it for? So give me, give me the wisdom to understand the Ratzon Hashem. And that way, again, Ratzon Hashem, Bigadol and Bifrat, right? In a general sense and for me specifically. And then when I ask you for all the other stuff in life, I'm going to know what exactly to use it for. So when Rashi says over here, and, and again, so the, and Rav Kook, Rav Kook, I'll tell you one more piece. Rav Kook actually takes this a little bit further. And Rav Kook says something so beautiful. He explains, well, let's see if Rav Kook afterwards. So Rashi says over here, What is when the world was created for Torah? Everything we have in this world can and is to be used for some higher purpose. That's our goal. That's our goal, what we call Kiddush HaChomer, the sanctification of the material. You see, it's interesting, and it's always intrigued me, that we know when we say Avdala, we say Hamavdil ben Kodesh Lechol. So that statement, that statement means that in life there are two states, there are two categories. There's Kodesh and there's Chol. But what's really my avoda? What's really my avoda? That everything should be Kodesh. Now, some things will be more Kodesh, some things will be less Kodesh. Right? No matter how great I make my Wednesday, it's still Wednesday. It's not going to be Shabbos. But it's interesting because it's almost as if we live in a state that there are certain things that are holy, certain things that are mundane. Whereas my essence, my core avoda in this world is to bring out the Kedusha even in the Chol even in the hall, to take even the most mundane things and try to find something holy in it. The Kiddush HaChomer. So perhaps when Rashi says that the entire world was created for Torah, every, everything that, 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 that all of you suggested was absolutely correct. Right? An opportunity to learn Torah. World is sustained. Right? Opportunity, I should say opportunity for people to learn, live Torah. The world is sustained through the merit of Torah. All correct. But perhaps what Rashi is also saying is something much more profound, which is the world was created for Torah means everything in this world has an underpinning of Kiddusha, of holiness. You just sometimes have to use your life wisdom to figure out how to extract it. Some things are obviously holy and some things dwell in the realm of nuanced holiness. But whether the Dover Ha'olami is obviously holy or nuanced holy, my avoda in this world is to realize that there is Torah in it and to bring out the Kedusha. So again, according to Rashi, according to Rashi, Hashem Bechachma Yasser Aretz means Hashem created the world with Torah and for Torah. For Torah meaning that to find the Kedusha in everything in this world. That is my avoda. It's true, this is, it's all of our avodas. Again, we each have unique nuances in that, but that is our avoda. If you take a look, if you take a look at number three, so there's actually a beautiful Gemara in uh, Meseches Smachos. So interestingly enough, what does Meseches Smachos talk about? Take a wild guess. Good. You would think Simchas actually talks about Avelos, right? It's all about, all dedicated to the laws of mourning, right? And so again, it's a, it's a euphemistic title, right? Often the same way the Gemara, when it's referring to people who are blind, often call them Saginar, 
people that see very well. Right? An effort to, just like the Gemara doesn't call a chazer a chazer, Torah does it, right? But again, whenever Chazal usually refer to a chazer, they usually refer to a davar acher, something else. There's an idea of trying to be careful with, uh, with ultimately, again, one's, one's words. Or behema shar enenu tahora. Same idea. So look at this. The Gemara number three says as follows. Hashem echach mayasad aretz, kone shem this, this is so beautiful. And along the same lines, When HaKadosh Baruch created the world, the world was created just like a baby in utero. What does that mean? Just like HaKadosh Baruch Hu, when he went ahead and he created, when a child is being formed in utero, right? So remember again, the fetus begins to form, right? The fetus is, is attached to the umbilical cord. The, right, the umbilical cord is attached to the navel of the baby and the baby grows out from there. Baby grows out from there. So just like the baby expands out from its center, so so too again says the Gimar something so beautiful. This is so beautiful. Where did the world begin from? The world began from its center. And what's the center of the entire world? The Evan Shesia, which is the foundation stone, right? Which is considered to be, in the eyes of Chazal, the first piece of matter, of tangible matter in this world. And Mikodesh HaKadoshim, from the future site that will be the Kodesh HaKadoshim, the base of Umimena, Hush Sas Haolam. And from there, the world expanded out. So again, in the Mesechus, in Mesechus Smachos, so Hashem Bechachma Yisar is a little bit different. When I mean Bechachma, there was a wisdom. Now, what was the wisdom of HaKadosh Baruch who created the world? There was a Seder. Why did HaKadosh Baruch who create the world? In other words, remember, if you look at creation in general, how does creation usually happen? Not a true question. Just Bereshit's Paragalif. Right? So right, how does creation happen? Stages. Stages, true. But how does Baruch Hu create any one particular thing? And? Instantaneous. Instantaneous. It's interesting that what the Gemara is describing over here is a non-instantaneous creation. In other words, how did Hashem create the Aretz? How did Hashem create the Aretz? According, according to what we just read over here. How did Hashem create the Aretz? Right? From, from, from a seed, right? And in stages. It started with the Evan Shasiyah. Then into the Kodesh HaKadoshim. Then I guess if you were to continue this, Yerushalayim, Eretz Yisrael. I mean, it must be Lakewood after that, right? You know, wherever, you know, wherever, wherever. Right? And slowly but surely, right? Again, everything begins. So why? Why? Everything else is created. Almost everything else. Not everything. But almost everything else is, Vayomer Elohim, let it be, and it's done. So why is Eretz created gradually? What would you say? What, what, what? And again, remember, I want to point out, the Gemara is saying, this is the Hashem B'chachma. What was the Chachma of the creation of the Eretz? The fact that it was created gradually. What, so what, what, what's the Chachma? Let me ask you this question. What's the fundamental question on the entire Bereshit story? Fundamental question. Why is it included? Remember again, the Torah is not a storybook. The Torah is a book of laws, morals, ethics, ideals. If it's not a legal idea, a moral, ethical idea, it doesn't belong in the Torah. Does anyone understand the story of creation? 
No, we could rattle off whatever Hakadosh Baruch created on the seven days of the six days of creation. We don't understand that. We don't understand Yeshimai something from nothing. We don't understand what it means that Hashem created in a day. What that means? Time is a human construct. It's not God is not limited by time. There's so many things that we just don't understand. What was the world? What's Tohu Vavohu? Even those worlds, words, astonishingly empty. We, what, what does that mean? What, what, so we don't understand it. So if we don't understand it, why is it here? Let's walk through this. Why, if we don't understand it, why is it here? Remember, I just want to point out, the Torah is the Torah. Torah Shebich Sav, Torah. Is Torah esoteric body of wisdom? It's a 50-50 chance, right? Hey, the answer is no, not really. Right? The Torah was given to us to be a workable Torah. Are, can, you, can you delve down into more esoteric levels? Of course you can. But when you look at Hamishay Chumshe Torah, they're made to be user-friendly. They're made to, it's made to be understood. It's made to allow us to live our life, but I can only use it as a guide to live my life if I understand what's written inside of it. So obviously the Bereshah story is there for some purpose. What's the purpose? So good, first Rashi to tell Sarah Yisrael Lazar is good. Although one could argue that, how could you have accomplished that? Right, somebody just said, you just say that Eretz Yisrael is ours. In other words, you could, you could just actually write that line in there. Right, and you don't have to go through an entire story that nobody really understands. Good, what else? I'm not, sorry? from where from Adam and Chava you're saying? Good, but again, so how, how would I answer that? Skip, skip. Right, go, go to that story. I, I'm, I'm good. With the, the story of Adam and Chava is filled with life lessons. Skip the whole Genesis narrative or, or pick up with day number six. Say a lot of stuff happened on days one through five. We're going to pick up on day number six. Good, absolutely. Why else? So why, so why is the creation story there? Obviously, there's a lot to learn from it. Excellent answer. Wonderful. You should be a politician. Amir Sashem. Right, so good. Right? So, so think about this in just a moment. So the Svarim bring down something incredibly profound. The Torah HaKidosha tells us how Hashem built His world so that we can see how to build ours. Baruch Hu shows us how He built His world so we could learn how to build ours. Because the truth is we are all creators and we are all builders of our lives and of our worlds. And at the end of the day, how do you know how to build your world? Where the amazing part is, Kashbarakhu said, Watch me. Watch me. Right? Now, again, are we going to, as Kashbarakhu said, are you going to understand every step of my building process? No, you won't. But will you be able to glean some incredibly important lessons for building your own world? Absolutely, yes. So when you look at the Genesis narrative, right? When you look at my Sibiratius, what you're supposed to look for are lessons in building your personal world. So there are a lot of lessons. What, according to the Gemara over here that we just read in number three, what's an incredible lesson that you could learn about how Kalish Baruch Hu built his world? Nothing's instantaneous. This is incredibly important. Now, nothing's instantaneous, but yet, what happened on day number one? Instantaneous creation. E- even leaving the inside the world, just le- let's use light. Like we just said, So I'll tell you something amazing, what the Torah is really sensitizing us to. 
is the only being in this world who can create something instantaneously is HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Only the Ribbon Shal Olam has the power of instantaneous creation. When man wants to create something, the only way for man to create is in stages, gradations, and over time. And perhaps that's what the Gemara, that's what Chesh Baruch Hu was modeling for us. Chesh Baruch Hu could have created all of the Eretz in the snap of a finger, or, 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 or in, in a mamar, just in a statement. But instead, first is Evan Shesia, then Kodesh Kadoshim, and then whatever the subsequent steps were after that, to show us that if you want to create something in this world, don't expect immediate gratification. Don't expect instantaneous results. To accomplish and to build requires step after step after step. And, and this is, all, all, all of this, all of this is an, an, an incredible piece. So we see Baruch Hu could create instantaneously, but he models for us that that's not the case. And by the way, this becomes an ongoing metaphor. And let me ask you, if you go step after step, are you guaranteed success? No. In fact, there's an incredible medrash. It's actually a startling medrash. The medrash writes that the Chodesh Baruch Hu created tens of thousands of worlds before us, and none of them worked out. He destroyed and started again. What does that mean? So Rabbi Salavichik discusses this. He says, what does that mean? Chodesh Baruch Hu. I mean, you want to tell me that I start a project and I can't get traction on it, so I have to start again. That, that, that's fine. What does he mean? He, he created tens of thousands of worlds, destroyed them and started again. Once again, it's not because HaKadosh Baruch Hu can't get it right on the first time. Of course he can. He's modeling for us how to build our worlds. And a lot of times in life, you have to start and stop, start and stop. And the thing that you built, not good. And you have to find the courage to start over again because sometimes like you build something, and it's there, and it's built, but it's not the right thing for you. Or it's not the thing that's going to advance your life agenda. Or it's not the thing that's going to allow you to fully self-actualize. And sometimes in life, just like you have to have the courage to build, you also have to have the courage to destroy. Sometimes in life, you have to, it's like what Shlomo HaMelech says, Ace lived, or Ace, um, what's the Lashon? Ace Lata'as, the Ace Akor Natua. I think that's Lashon of Kohelas. There's a time to plant, and there's a time to uproot that which you planted, which is interesting because the Vilna Gold brings down, shouldn't it say there's a time to plant and then what would be the opposite of that? Time to harvest, right? Plant, harvest. Shalom Al was saying something much more profound. There's a time to plant, but sometimes in life you plant things and you realize that what's growing, it's not the right thing. You tried, you tried to plant the right thing, it's not the right thing. Nine out of ten times in life when people plant something and they see the wrong thing is growing, what do they do? They just leave it alone. Oh, I already planted it. I'm so tired already. I tried. It's okay. It's okay. Right? And you know, if you look at it like this, it's actually really straight. Right? Or if you, right? If you, if you just stand ten feet away, it's mamish perfect. Or if you just don't look at it, I can pretend like it's not there. So sometimes like, you have to have the courage to uproot that which you planted because it's the wrong thing. Sometimes you create something and when you created it, it was right but it just didn't turn out the right way. And so you have to have the courage to kind of destroy it, so to speak, and start again. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu models that for us, these two dramatic lessons. Number one, do not expect instantaneous results in life. You know, sometimes we approach life with this mindset that if you're doing the right thing, 
everything should fall into place. And we often think this, right? If it's really, if I'm really fulfilling the Ratz Hashem, I'm really doing the right thing, everything should work out. Everything should work out. And then when it doesn't work out, oh, that's not right. That's not true. You know, by the way, where's the raya for that, that even if you're doing the right thing, it's still not easy? I'm sorry? The Avos lives. The Avos lives. That, that, that's an excellent example. Or the truth is, it's actually, if you look at the life of almost any great person, all great, right? You, 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 it doesn't, it doesn't, it's the Avos, it's the Imos, it's Moshe, it's Aaron, it's David, all the Yishbizen, right? It's, it's, it's everybody, right? Everybody, they encountered such ridiculous children. In fact, I'll share with you, there's an incredible and beautiful idea by the Kutzker. The Kutzker says, after the Akedah, so after, after the Malach calls out, Al Tishlach Yad Chalanar, Hashem tells, Hashem tells Avram Avinu, don't do anything to Yitzchak. So what does the Pasuk say? Avram sees, uh, He sees a ram caught in a thorn bush. What does Avram Avinu do? He goes and he offers it up as a carbon. So the Kutzker says something amazing. The Kutzker says, why did Avram offer up a carbon? Hashem just told him he doesn't want a carbon. Maybe what Hashem meant was he just doesn't want any carbonos at all. And it, so why did Avram offer up the ram? So listen to what the Katsker says. It's so sweet and so amazing. The Katsker says if the ram would have run up to Avram Avinu's feet and laid down by his feet, he wouldn't have offered it. But when he saw that the ram was stuck in the thorn bush, you ever try to get a ram out of a thorn bush? Either of I, but I would imagine it's not pretty, right? In other words, right, you have to get into the thorns. So what's going to happen? You're going to get cut and you're going to bleed and it's going to be uncomfortable. When Avinu saw that to get to the ram involved struggle, he understood that was the Ratzon Hashem. Because wherever there is struggle, there's always Kiddusha. So sometimes when something just shows up, ram just shows up and lays down at your feet, that's Maisa Sutton, right? That's not. But when he saw that the carbon ultimately again required struggle, that's where there's Kiddusha. So again, what I'm pointing out over here is the Gemara tells us, so let's, yes. Sorry. Wait, yeah, give me one second. Let me just finish this thought. Now I'll tell you a question. So again, so to go with the Gemara, just to close out this piece. Wow. So when the Sados say, Hashem b'chachma yasad aretz, what's the Chachma? The Chachma is incremental, gradual steps. Nothing is created instantaneously. Nothing is created overnight. Everything requires multiple steps. Be patient in the actualization of the creation of your life edifice, of your life, of your life structures. Even HaKadosh Baruch Hu can create instantaneously, chooses not to create instantaneously. It's a model for us that as we build our worlds, it takes time. Everything meaningful in life takes time. And by the way, even if you take your time, it may not work. Because Baruch created many worlds before ours, destroyed them all because they just, as they say, it's just, it's just not going. It's just not, it's just not moving forward. So things are gradual, and sometimes you see things aren't going right, and you have to have the courage to deconstruct that which you constructed and begin again. That is the Chachma, says the Gemara, ultimately of the Sados. Yes. <laughs> it's the, it's the, that is the million dollar life question. Well, let me ask you a little bit differently. Sometimes life, you hit a brick wall. How do you know when the brick wall is a message from Hashem to say, 
wrong direction, rerouting, right? Turn you around the wrong way. Versus Chesh Baruch Hu saying, try harder, try harder. You're much younger than me, so hopefully you're going to figure this out. But but that you're, you're right. That 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 is the million dollar question of life because you're saying good. Meaning sometimes struggle is where Chesh Baruch Hu says wrong direction. <laughs> you're doing the wrong thing. You're doing the wrong thing. You hit the brick wall. That's the simon. You need to turn around. New world. And sometimes it's like, no, you have to climb over the wall. Or you have to find a way around. Knowing which is which is one of, is one of the hardest things. And by the way, das. this is exactly what we daven for each and every day. Life is so confusing because we all hit brick walls. And that moment of cheshbon nefesh, do I need to try harder or try something else? There's no one answer for that. That requires an incredible amount of introspection, an incredible amount of, of just self-awareness and self-knowledge. But the question is an excellent one. The answer is simple. That answer, that's life. That is life. The answer is, what you described is exactly the challenge of the human condition. I'll also, there's another question? There's another question? I'll also mention something else, by the way. Oh, someone's in the waiting room. Okay. Thank you. I feel bad. They've probably been there for a while. Okay. So I also mentioned just something else along this same motif, which is really something quite, quite interesting, which is, that, which is that if you notice, by the way, right? Last week's parasha, the to- uh, last week's parasha? Yeah, last week's parasha and the parasha Sisra was the Torah speaks out the Mizbeach. So the Torah says that when you construct the Mizbeach, how do you get up to the top of the Mizbeach? A ramp. Now, interestingly enough, why a ramp? Why the ramp? So the Torah says, because there's a din of Tznius in the Kohen, that when he walks, he should be Tzanua. Now, obviously, Rashi already points out, there's no part of the Kohen's body that's actually exposed when he walks up the ramp, but obviously, there's a message of Tznius in there. So it, it struck me, it struck me, that if you look at it, the Torah has, when it speaks about ascent, getting somewhere, the Torah has two models, right? There's the ramp model, and the other model we saw was by who? Excellent. By Yaakov Avinu. Right? And in his dream, in his dream, there's a ladder. See, interestingly enough, what's the difference between a ramp and a ladder? Thank you. Right? Very good. Right? On the technical level, one is like that, one is like that. Excellent. Good. So good. Oh, right. A ladder could also, right, a ladder could also be slanted, right. So without getting into the technicalities of which position, I, 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 right, I, I think, I think to, to build on that a little bit, I think here's the difference. If the, if, the, if the ramp is slippery, it's very hard to gain traction. You pretty much, you pretty much, you, you, you fall back. You fall back. There's nothing going to talk. See, a ladder, a la- see, both the ladder and the ramp really represent the same yisod, which is you got to go up gradually. Right? As opposed to a stair, as opposed to a step, where you know, when, you, when you step up on a step, there is a, there is a you know, you, you've gone up, you could climb up onto the Mizbeach directly. A ladder and a ramp are both gradual. Ladder, generally, could you fall off a ladder? Of course. But the truth is, there's a much better way to anchor and steady yourself on a ladder. Versus a ramp, versus a ramp, you could just very easily slide off that. And it's almost as if HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the message is the same, which is the message of Masech HaSmachos, that life has to be gradual, building gradual growth. 
But what the ramp also prepares us for is that sometimes you could be doing everything right, but you still slip back. The nature, and, that, and by the way, there's no ladder in the Beis Hamikdash, right? There's only a ramp. And remember again, the whole point went to the Beis Hamikdash, right? The Sefer Achinuch brings down why did you? Why was there a mitzvah aliyah leregel three times? Why? Why is there a mitzvah aliyah leregel? So I'll tell you something. You know what the Sefer Achinuch says? You want to look at the Sefer Achinuch? So for simcha, but why else? I'm sorry. Kirva, although remember, I want to point out, remember, that's always a very dangerous thing because do I need to go to the Beis HaMikdash for Kirva Selokim? No, this is the... So the Sefer HaKinuch says something amazing. He says, you go to the Beis HaMikdash to learn from the Kohanim and from the Mikdash. Incredible. This goes back to the mission of us that says, Asara Nisan, there are 10 miracles that happened inside of the Beis HaMikdash. Why, why do I need miracles in the Beis HaMikdash? Those miracles were life-teaching lessons. Cheshbarachu conveyed lessons to me through those miracles. When you went to the Beis HaMikdash, you went for one reason and one reason only, to learn from the Kohanim, who are supposed to be like the role models of Kedusha, and to learn from the actual way that the Beis HaMikdash was structured, from the miracles, and from the things you saw in the Mikdash, there were life lessons to be gleaned. So it's amazing. What did you see when you came into the Mikdash? I mean, not immediately when you came, you see this beautiful, massive copper Mizbeach, the Mizbeach HaKitzon, that was used for animal sacrifice. And remember, you see this huge ramp. And when you see that ramp, there's this incredible life lesson. Life is a ramp. You cannot get from the bottom to the top in one stride. You cannot get from the bottom from the, to the top instantaneously. And not only that, I'm sure there was a miracle that nobody ever slipped off the ramp, but people did push each other off the ramp, but that's a different discussion, right? But again, but ultimately you could slip down a ramp because such is the nature of life. Growth is incremental, building is in stages, and sometimes you do all the right things, but you still slip back down the ramp. The goal in life is to find the courage ultimately to get back up, to rebuild even that which you rebuilt was destroyed. And therefore the Nesech HaSemachos is telling us, the Sados tell us, Hashem Bechachma Yasad Aretz. The wisdom of the earth is Hakadosh Baruch who created his world in a way which gives us the wisdom to teach us. So we end off with Rashi, with the Mesech HaSmachus, two different interpretations of the Chachma of the Ribbon Shalom as manifest in the earth, and the Merit will continue down this journey on Monday as well.